Welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week we are just hanging on for dear life as the Bundesliga coaching carousel, which is already spinning robustly over the past few weeks. It's threatening to accelerate up to warp speed at this point. With me this week, taking all necessary precautions to hang on to his horsey, is Nick Wildhagen. Nick, do you have the strength to hold on? <laughs> I'm I'm holding on as, as best as I can. Just you know, my grip is just as firm as Florian Kohfeldt's grip. I mean, Werder they spoiler alert they didn't fire their coach, so they decided that we don't need a new strongman because we are strong enough ourselves. We know what we do in ourselves, and you know, Florian Kohfeldt's mind is big enough to finish off this job. Yeah. But uh, alas, not not every team in the in the Bundesliga thought the same way about their coach this week. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We did have some movement there at this late, late stage of the season. We have uh, a number of mooted moves, uh, which look likely to be happening over the summer. We'll be talking about those. We'll talk about what Hansi Flick, for example, Julian Nagelsmann, perhaps Jesse Marsh might be doing next season. We'll be checking in on Dortmund's suddenly plausible push for the Champions League. And, uh, you know, the unease, the shock, the confusion raining down on relegation road. Here comes part one of Talking Foosball. The part where we talk about the best of the match day just gone. This was match day 31. Woo! Getting on towards the end. We'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of match day 30, considering we did have an English week this week. And uh, I do promise you, we are going to get to the intrigue at the top of the table. That uh, race for Champions League football has gotten significantly tighter over this past week. But not just yet. Because really, there, there are just too many fascinating stories going on down at the bottom. We've got spectacular revivals, sudden breakdowns, slow fade-outs, and even uh, a team in suspended animation waiting to be unfrozen and cleared to play. All of that to come. Let, let's start, however, at, with what I think at first glance seems like the wildest result from the bottom of the table. That's Mainz's 2-1 win over Bayern. But, you know, when you look a little bit more closely, maybe maybe there's another story. It is fair to say that whenever the, the team on top of the table plays uh, against the 13th place team in the league, that's what it looked like heading into this game. You do expect the top dogs to win, but, you know... If you've been watching Mites play over the past couple of months, you know that something actually special is happening down there. Uh, since Bo Svensson took over ahead of match day 15, they actually have the sixth best record in the league. The Svensson tabella, it doesn't lie, does it? <laughs> no, I mean, if Bo Svensson would have come in at the start of the season and he uh, would have taken Mites in the same point per match average as they have, on, have had under him so far, They'd be fighting for Champions League spot right about now, alongside Dortmund. So that that in itself, you know, tells you tells you how much how much good work he's done over a very short space of time there in Mainz. Because obviously that um, relationship between the team and Achim Bayerlotz was ruined, but underneath it all, you actually had a quite decent football team there. And it just needed to be released. And both Svensson found the right words, the right mechanisms to release that good football team and once again let them play football. And the transformation they've been under over the last few weeks. I mean, when you started watching them when he took over, they were just a nasty opponent, basically. But now they've started playing football as well. 
pressing high up the pitch, combination play. Uh, you know, a lot of decent attacking potential there on display over the last few weeks. And you think, well, hang on, that's not like the sort of nasty side that got to nil-nil draw on one of those first matches under Bo Svensson. Yeah, I totally agree. And I look at their remaining games, which are, you know, on paper, very tough ones. They've got a lot of top opponents and Hertha. But I, I wouldn't put it past them to, to, to get results off of anybody. But hold on, hold on. Let's not get completely twisted here. I mean, they were worth their win over Bayern. But absolutely, um, there was some good fortune involved. They were gifted, basically, in that third minute goal when Manuel Neuer just totally flubbed a save of a, of, of a Jonathan Burkhardt uh, shot from distance. Maybe he was dazzled by the sun. It looked like the, the sight lines were a little weird. But even leaving that aside, I think Mites earned at the very least a draw, even if that goal weren't, weren't in there. And I still think they might have found a way to win as well. I think that this was, you know, one of those weeks where Bayern just can't complain that much. No, and I mean, even if you look at the XG, those two teams were pretty much on equal footing and uh, I mean I've seen the highlights and I've you know read the kicker ticker uh, during the match as I, as I was watching another match at the time and I mean what kicker basically wrote during, during the entire first half Bayern ain't happening it's it's Mainz who are the dangerous side here and Bayern obviously found a way back into the match in the second half and created some chances but obviously that Robert Lewandowski goal was too little too late and um, yeah Keeping Bayern at bay at uh, for 45 minutes, only conceding one goal. Uh, for a side that basically hates to lose. I mean, they, they hate losing so much. For them, not losing is probably bigger bigger motivator than winning. Because, you know, that, that winning feeling is all right. But losing, that that's really what they hate over there in Bavaria. Eh, who can blame them? It's, it's been working. Whatever it is they're doing, it's been working over the past nine seasons. So I, I, I don't want to knock them too hard. I'm glad you pointed out Robert Lewandowski's, you know, sort of consolation goal. It was really too late to give them much of any chance for a real comeback. It was almost the last kick of the game. Thinking about Mites and that run-in that we talked about a moment ago, I mean, They've been stacking up points over the past, past couple of weeks. I mean, they have gotten themselves up now to 34 points. They have, what, Hertha, Dortmund, Wolfsburg, and one, and Frankfurt, I believe, uh, remain for them on the docket. Like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, if they won any or all of those games, but realistically, that's not going to happen. How much do they need to get just to, you know, basically say, you know what? We're sticking around next next season. One win would would seal it. I mean, they've they've got that match against Hertha coming up shortly. One win in that uh, win against a direct competitor in that relegation dogfight, and you're out of it. I mean, that's basically yeah, eight points down to the you know, seven points down to the relegation playoff with three matches to play. You know, you don't you don't necessarily see Cologne, Verde, and Bielefeld racking up nine points from those three matches remaining, do you? I do not. And, you know, for, for probably pretty obvious reasons, I, I certainly hope not. Yeah, I, I, I think that they will probably uh, manage to get themselves a win out of one of those last four games. And I'm really excited to see what uh, Bo Svensson can do with this team next season. Because, you know, as you say, that he, he's averaging 1.75 points a game. That is, you know, obviously a very small sample size. It's a very short tenure for him, but that is by a mile, by a full third of a point, the best, you know, points per game average of, of any Mites coach ever. And that includes Klopp, that includes Tuchel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It could be really interesting if this guy is as good as he looks, you know, 
even if you just put the same team out, which might granted very rarely do because they usually sell some players because they're really good at developing players and making profit on players. But if you just put the same team out next season and they get anywhere close to that return, this is a really, really interesting uh, proposition. It is. And, you know, we, we don't have to forget that they actually sold John uh, Philippe Mateta during, uh, during the winter transfer mm-hmm. window, which at that their point best striker. was their best striker, which at that point seemed like a little bit like a Harakiri sort of move. Well, you're in the bottom two at that point, together with Schalke, and um, you are not taking points in pretty much any matches. And uh, what are you doing? Well, you sell your best goal scorer. To Crystal Palace for for a nominal loan fee of uh, what was it two or three million euros, which really didn't generate a lot, an awful lot of income that could be reinvested. But what you have to say, they've been really smart during their winter transfer window. Signings like Danny da Costa, Robert Lassell, uh they've all come in and they've done a job and they've actually improved that team, uh, given that team more options, given Svensson more options, and uh, it's worked. It's worked, and you know, selling a player for two, three million euros, which didn't generate like the most amount of money to make startling signings. They've spent that money wisely and uh, it shows that even little money can be put to very good use when you use it wisely. Yep, yep. I have a feeling, I don't know what the, uh, if there is a, you know, a fest geschriebene Ablösesumme, uh, you know, a, a buy-on clause that has a particular price in there with with uh, Crystal Palace, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a decent chunk. Yeah, I think it's 15 million euros, and it's pretty likely to be triggered. So um, it's it's going to be when that payday arrives, it's it's going to be sweet. But at that point in the season, Mines needed a cash injection, and they needed it fast in order to revamp their squad because obviously some certain things weren't working. Or so we thought at the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, of course, there there's also there's big news from Bayern after this shock loss. There always is. shock there loss to Mainz. Hansi Flick, he's got to go. I, I, I jest, of course. He was going away anyway, or at least he wants to go away. It sounds like he wants to take over uh, Germany because, you know, his, his old boss, Yogi Löw, is moving on, et cetera, et cetera. That means Bayern need a new coach, which means Julian Nagelsmann is the man on, on Bayern's wish list, probably the only man on their wish list. Kicker is reporting, however, that RB wants 25 million euros to let him go, which, you know, just to put things in perspective here, to name a couple of RB players who were sold for a similar price. Um, you know, Bayern could just go out and buy Danny Olmo or, or Alexander Zolot, uh, or, you know, if they were to pay the same amount that RB paid for them and get some a player of that caliber. I am definitely of the mind that this is a weird step for them to take because that is a huge price tag. I'm also pretty convinced that he's worth it. I don't think that that is a, is a particularly bad deal to get Probably the best German coach of the gen- of his generation, I mean, and even that probably sounds pretty stupid coming out out of my mouth. I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he is the next Tuchel, the next next club. He's going to be the next great German coach, and he's already shown what he can do at a site like Leipzig. He's shown what he can do at Hoffenheim. He's in his mid thirties for crying out loud. So, ideally speaking, he's going to be around for another twenty to twenty five years. Which means he could potentially, at one point, start a long-lasting legacy at one of the next clubs where he signs. And it's probably going to be one of the biggest teams in Europe. And, um, I mean, from here on out, you don't necessarily see Nagelsmann going to um, 
you know, it's not like Tottenham and the Premier League. It's going to be Bayern, it's going to be Liverpool, it's going to be Real Madrid. It's, it's going to be those names that are going to be good enough for him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, man, man, we don't see coaches of this age, as you say, the mid-30s, going to tip-top clubs like this very often, especially, I mean, I guess sometimes coaches who who experienced, you know, I mean, Mourinho wasn't quite that young when he ended up at Chelsea, but, you know, he was pretty young. Sometimes ex-players. Um, Vierge you know, Bosch was about that age, wasn't he, when he ended up at Chelsea, but that, mm-hmm. that, didn't, that didn't work out well. <laughs> I was about to say that, that maybe isn't the most encouraging example for buying friends, but I'm, I'm really excited because much as I am completely worn out with Bayern winning the league every year. I do have a soft spot for overwhelming excellence. Like if Bayern were to actually play all the way up to their ability and, you know, just blast people and, you know, win the Champions League without losing a match again, like that's the kind of stuff that is actually worth watching and is actually worth tipping your hat to. Like I don't, I don't mind it when Bayern win the league in a commanding fashion. I get really frustrated like I have over the last, say, three seasons where I feel like they were there for the taking and and nobody did it. And, you know, if, if Nagelsmann can get them back to that place where they just, you know, are way too good for everybody else, you know, fair enough. Back to the Guardiola age, eh? Um, I mean, in, in terms of uh, what the Bundesliga needs, it definitely doesn't need more of the same when a team goes out and pays an unprecedented amount of money for a coach, 25 million euros for a coach is unprecedented within Germany. I mean, when that Marco Rosa deal came along and Gladbach got 5 million euros for him, people were like, what, 5 million euros for a coach? And then Gladbach themselves went out and paid 7.5 million euros for a coach. And people were oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. And uh, now you see Bayern come along and pay about four times as much. For a coach, five times as much as Dortmund have paid for for their coach, and um, it just shows you that there is a massive gap between uh, what the rich and the haves in the Bundesliga can spend, what the rest of the league can spend. Because consider it, I mean, because consider what you know the sort of spending power Dortmund and Gladbach and all these sides that are below Bayern and are supposedly their challenges for the title, their spending power. Yeah, they're not they're not going to get a coach for twenty five million euros, are they? No. No, no. It's, it is a nice uh, indicator of of the sort of just financial bracket these teams are playing. And Bayern, Bayern are on a different planet. Let's address for a moment what that vacancy might do to Leipzig. I mean, they're not only losing Julian Nagelsmann, but uh, Marcus Kusha appears to be headed out as well. He looks like he might be going to Eintracht Frankfurt, although that's not not anywhere near confirmed. But it seems like there's uh, maybe some big changes ahead for Leipzig. This is a definitely a club that, you know, in that it sits on top of uh, of a several club pyramid. They probably have a lot of ready replacements. I don't know exactly who they have in mind for the sporting director post, but you know, it looks like they, they, they can negotiate that fee with the uh, RB Salzburg and come, <laughs> come, come to a like, it can come to an understanding. And you know, 2,500 <laughs> euros might be, might be enough to convince them. If you send us a, you know, a, a packet of that Austrian juice as well, that netto juice, it's um, 
from Roush. Um, love it. But yeah, I think Jesse, Jesse Marshall's definitely, you know, he's been at RB Leipzig. I mean, he's been in that RB system. He went to, he started in New York, went to Leipzig as an assistant, went over to Salzburg. And now that he's made Salzburg great again, or uh, has made Salzburg a, a great team and, you know, even by European standards, it would be a natural step for him to go to RB Leipzig and develop his career from there on out. And it's a system that he knows well. He knows where, you know, that he's going to get all the players he loved so much at Salzburg for a reduced fee. Because, you know, what is 20 million euros between friends under the same umbrella? So, yeah, I definitely think it's it's a ready-made replacement. And uh, don't worry. Um, there are plenty of other great coaches working under the RB moniker all around the world. So uh, RB Salzburg are going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah. I uh, It was interesting. I, I kind of felt for Jesse Marsh earlier this season where it looked like there might be a sort of a, a hiccup for his plans to sort of you know, take the next job, the next rung up in the ladder, you know, go from, from New York to Salzburg to Leipzig. And now that, that, uh, Nagelsmann is moving on, uh, I think, I think the job is ready made for him. And I understand that there is a little bit of interest elsewhere. Eintracht have, have had a sniff around Jesse Marsh. There have been, at least in a, according to a, a documentary that was on, uh, Sky this past weekend, um, Hertha have, have, you know, had some conversations with him in the past. I just don't see those coming to fruition anywhere near uh, as likely as him taking that sort of um, the job that was more or less made for him in, in Leipzig. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he knows what he gets out of the system. He knows how it works. Um, it's a natural next step. And, you know, from there on out, if you do well at RB Leipzig, you see where Leichensmann where is going, right? And, uh, you know, to just once again speak to the wealth of coaching talent under, under the RB umbrella. Uh, just one quick point. Bo Svensson was actually under that umbrella, and they didn't want to keep him around. They actually allowed him to go back to Mainz. Yeah, well, but see, I think I think there might have been a buyback clause, though, if I come to think of it. Yeah, but, and I have um, a feeling, knowing yeah. that um, the, the 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 structure of that you know Red Bull club system is such that basically you only have one club at the sort of tip top level and you have a sort of a a 1B club a club that plays Champions League football but plays in let's let's be honest here a pretty bad league they understand they know the score they they produce way too many coaches just to to keep them in house i mean you know <laughs> look throughout the bundesliga and then see how many coaches have uh, rb connections they're they're very happy to spread uh, the wealth half the league yeah. half mm-hmm. the league have rb connections basically i mean frank Rama would be yeah i mean the 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 list is very long i mean even hansi flick has rb connections sure. yeah and uh, yeah, even Lothar Matthäus does, but uh, he, he doesn't seem to be getting any sort of coaching jobs at the, at the moment. And the Germany job didn't go his way either, once again. Dang! Yeah, and you know, surprisingly enough, he was even passed over for the Cologne job. That, that went to none other than Friedhelm Funkel. Oh, and, you know, we can't we can't talk about the Funkel uh, tabella just yet, because I think it would be a little premature. But if we could... It would look really good for Cologne. They are showing signs of life in in a way that I think not many of us necessarily expected uh, following this 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 English week. No, don't listen back to what I said last <laughs> week when I basically doomed them and said they were dead. There's time yet. There There's is time, time yet. yet. Um, but yeah, why didn't they hire Lothar Matthäus? Um, <laughs> yes, listen. I mean, they had a very fortunate fortunate match uh, against RB Leipzig, where RB Leipzig basically should have. One yeah. 
that match by two or three goals. They didn't. You know, when you once you get that lucky win, you get a lucky punch. It sort of freed the minds of the players when they played against Augsburg. Augsburg, a team in turmoil, uh, just let their coach go. Heiko Hurlis is gone. And Marcus Weinziel is back because, you know, you, when you're in Augsburg, you want to party like it's 2013. Yeah, um, you know, fair. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that first half uh, against Augsburg, absolutely insane. Uh, first first goal by Duda, by the way, absolute peach. Yeah, Long distance oh my God. effort on, on the volley um, from outside the area. Absolutely, absolutely peach. Uh, plum for goal. Um, you should watch it on YouTube if you if you haven't seen it so far. Do you do you prefer a peach or a plum? By the way, you know I I prefer a hazy Epo with a bit of peach and plum taste. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. I, I I have to say I I am a peach guy, but I do like plums a lot as well. So I I, I have respect for both. Yeah, I mean if if you come, I mean. I don't know why we why we're not saying it's a strawberry of a girl because that is that is my favorite fruit. I you know it is really yeah okay. Norwegian strawberries best there is. Be that as that may um yeah I think I think Cologne have shown that they can that they can stay in this league now under Funkel. I mean they've they've had a lot of strange matches this season. They've had a lot of close matches where they should have lost uh, drawn. They've had a lot, couple of surprising wins, but then again they've been. Over the entire season, they've been pretty much awful or close to awful all season long, with maybe a couple of exceptions, uh, like that win against Dortmund Fins. But other than that, really, really dreadful team to watch. And um, now that they've gotten that new coach boost under Funkel, we have to keep in mind that it still doesn't fix the structural problems at the club on the pitch, which are midfield, which are in defense, which are the fact that... You know, they don't have any sort of striker who's shown to be producing enough goals throughout the entire season. Sebastian Ander... Sebastian Anders... Well, well, he hasn't been healthy. Anderson, he just hasn't been healthy. I mean, but he's, he's he hasn't scored since he's been back. But he's he's his presence, I think... Because, I mean, they were trying to do things like play play, play Duda as a false nine uh, at different parts of the year. And that's not... But now when there's an actual nine in front of him, so, you know, Duda's got more space to operate in and he looks really good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what's been going on on the pitch, his, you know, his absence has been felt, and they didn't have a backup for that. Was pretty much mainly my point here. But um, I mean, all of these structural issues they are going to remain after the season as well. If if you stay in or stay out of the Bundesliga, uh, doesn't really matter. And uh, I think once Friedhelm Funkel is gone, the the good people running the club have to ask themselves. Did Horst held the best job he possibly could putting this team together at the start of the season? I don't think the jury is going to have to deliberate for very long <laughs> to come up with a verdict on that one. Yeah, and, and speaking of speaking of teams going back to, to the good old days, I think it looks fairly likely that uh, Cologne might be turning to Peter Stöger uh, to take over in the summer. He, he's currently out of work, and there's been some some talk of his, you know, coming back to the Billy Goats. But let's let's talk about the sure thing here. Augsburg, they only have three games left in this season, and they are, you know, four points above the relegation playoff spot. So very much not out of the woods yet, but still a weird juncture to fire your coach. I mean, you know, they're bringing in Marcus Weinziel, who of course. That was the best, you know, basically the best era of, of FCA football and also the best era of Marcus Weinziel's career. You know, things have been pretty up and down for both at times since then. So I understand the impulse. Is it a good idea? Is it the right time to, to pull that trigger? 
Think of the coaches who have gone back over the last few years to a club where they've done well. I mean, who co- who comes to mind? Armin Weh went back to Frankfurt, was it? That didn't end up well, did it? Mirko Slomka was going to turn Hanover into Bundesliga side again after the relegation. And uh, these days, he's mostly seen on sidelines during Bundesliga teams' training camps as an observer. So, I mean, th- those are the two examples that come to mind straight from the off. And I don't know. I I honestly don't know what it does tell me though is that this is 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 actually a massive defeat for Stefan Reuter who wasn't necessarily on the best of terms with Marcus Weinzierl when they last parted and now Weinzierl's back and Herrlich was uh, Reuter's man and uh, you know that in itself is an admission that um, this might have been the wrong coach to hire and in the end uh, Reuter couldn't couldn't protect him anymore and now Weinzierl is back which um, is going to go into a new season, given that the relationship between the two of them is fraught, is going to mean either they have to repair that relationship or we might be in for some in-house drama or one of the two of them has to go. And given that Weinzierl is the one who's just been hired, you know who that's going to be. I, I vote for I vote for in-house drama, for sure. Just just to make Augsburg into a somewhat more compelling team. I, I, I've been hard on them this season, but I... I feel they deserve it. Yeah, um, you know, I've been I've been to Augsburg once, and the trouble of finding a restaurant that is open after t- you know ten in the evening on a Thursday night. Yeah, I was there to watch that Europa League match against Atletic Bilbao. Yeah, it was so hard. So it's it's not it's it's not what you call a metropolitan city, is it? Yeah, yeah. Although you know, just the fact that you brought up the fact that 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 you know, FCA were playing a Europa League match against... Under, under exactly. You can see why they would go back to Vinesiel, who, you know, let's face it, was not good at either Schalke or Stuttgart. Or, you know, he just basically... He used to be one of those sort of golden boy young coaches when he finished things up at, at Augsburg and he, you know, got a couple of chances at bigger clubs. And uh, he didn't didn't do well so we'll, we'll see we'll see if he can break that curse of of the the returning coach can i say one thing about wine seal i mean one of my one of my favorite wine seal moments it was um when things were really going really badly and the sort of press the press had started to turn against him he appealed to to the press saying we all we are all in this together we have to work together now and uh, you know none of you want to go to zantausen either <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a good line. Zonhausen seems to be the real um, sort of whipping boy when it comes to um, threatened Zweite Bundesliga destinations. I'm not really sure why. I've never been there. I, don't, I, <laughs> I really, might I might keep really checking it out there. next season. It, yes, the very very nice uh, very nice segue there, Nick. This is why, why I wanted to move on to the next uh, topic because I feel like it's going to be one that you're just going to love talking. You're going to probably lo- loosen your belt a couple of notches and just really let rip. Um, okay, Werder Bremen. Uh, there, there's really not a lot to say. Uh, they lost 3-1 at Union on the weekend. They lost at midweek. They lost last weekend. In fact, uh, seven straight losses now. And suddenly those 30 points, I remember back on match day 24 when they got up to 30 points, you were feeling pretty pretty good about Verder, feeling good about having a season where you weren't going to have to squeaky bum time it through the last few match days. <laughs> How's uh, 
how's the squeak, my friend? Um, yeah. Oh, wait, I can come um, here. I can hear it from here. I mean, my sphincter is probably going to be broken by the end of the season. But um, having having said that, yeah, those, you know, egg on face time once again. I mean, I doomed Cologne. I said, well, if Verda gets 46 points from the next five to seven matches, I thought I said after, after that win against Bielefeld, they are going to be all right. And now look, you know, as I said last week, individually speaking, each match taken by itself, you would say that Verda probably wasn't favourites in any of those matches, given that this has been a very difficult run of fixtures for the club. But having said that, the trajectory is definitely pointing downwards, because whilst the first few losses were sort of unfortunate in a way, because they were only by one goal and there was only one clear-cut loss against RB Leipzig, which, which can happen to the best of teams, let's be honest. Now they're outdone by a Dortmund side that doesn't get out of first gear. Now they're outdone by Union Berlin, who don't get out of second gear. Now they're outdone by their own defending, and it looks like comedy hour at the improv at the back. And they don't have an attacking plan. And it's all... it's The, the shit is properly hitting the fan. And, um, you know, right now, it, it seems like the entire club is, is mortified to um, do anything. So they're sticking with Kofeld. They uh, announced that that much today. They're going to stick with him. And um, going by the rest of the season, where they're facing Leverkusen, Augsburg and Gladbach, you're just wondering where are those points coming from? Granted, they should have had a point against Mainz. That VAR decision, by the way, Mr. Felix Zweier, was an absolute disgrace. That was a goal. It should have never been VAR'd. And why VAR came into use at that point is beyond me. But be that as that may, I think Werder had enough time in the game to get that equaliser anyways, and they didn't do so. So they that losses deserved in that regard. But... um. Yeah, it's 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 looking it's it's looking really really bleak, and you know this time around it's it's not going to be like they are having a easy match against Cologne on the last day of the season, and Union Berlin are going to help them. When you see the rest of the matches, the other teams down there have to play. Given that how to have so many matches in hand as well, are you thinking? Yeah, uh, this might very well be. 17th place, and um, going by how the table in the Bundesliga two is right now. We might actually be in a situation for, you know, as long as I can remember, for ever really, just having one team from northern Germany in the Bundesliga next season, which for for that part of the country is, is disastrous, not only for Werder Bremen, but for the entire part of the country. I mean, HSV in the Bundesliga too, Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga too, Hanover in the Bundesliga too, all these great traditional clubs with a lot of history souring in the Bundesliga too, whilst, uh, you know, the Hoffenheims and Bochums are playing for the Bundesliga title. Yeah, well, if, however, if Kiel sticks around and Rostock comes in, I mean, you, you can basically have like a little, a mini Nordliga and, uh, you know, maybe maybe whoever wins the Nordliga will, will also win, win the title. Tell you what, if Hertha go down after losing the relegation playoff... <laughs> This is going to be talking foosball Bundesliga 2 edition next season. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, who cares about the Bundesliga when both of our teams are in, in, in the Zweite Hansi Flick set to make a comeback at Bayern München? Well, no, not with us. We are going to talk about what Finn Bartels did. 
I like it. I like it. And, and, you know, we can just talk about how, how Martin Dardai has, has development is coming on, uh, leap, leaps and bounds. Jeez. Okay. Any, any further thoughts about, well, no, I, I don't even want to open you up for that because I think that'll be a giant can of worms. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Gladbach, they did give a little bit of sucker to some of the other teams down at the bottom, sort of halting any uh, attempts at, at further advance by uh, Bielefeld. It was a 5-0 win. It was not close. How are you thinking about Bielefeld's chances at, at this stage? I mean, they're level with Bremen, one point above Cologne, four points above Hertha, three points back from Augsburg. I basically feel like, you know, Mites pretty unlikely to get dragged into that, but I still could potentially see Augsburg in trouble. And, you know, of course, Schalke are already, are already gone. Feelings? And this, I guess, might just lead you to talk more about Bremen, which is it's, it's a toughie. I mean, let's let's stick with Armini Bielefeld. I think they've uh, they've taken points here and there through the entire season, and um, you know when they went a couple of points behind their relegation playoffs, but they didn't they didn't you know they didn't get sucked into a mess, and they just keep kept grinding out decent performances on the pitch. This wasn't obviously one of them. But when you look at the rest of the uh, the rest of the matches they're playing against Hertha, Hoffenheim, and Stuttgart, and you're thinking, well, Stuttgart have nothing to play for at that point. Hoffenheim might be out of it as well, and then there's Hertha, and you say they they could even well, lose to Hertha and, and stay in the league, yeah, and stay in the league, yeah. That they could easily. I mean, best case scenario, they suddenly take six points out of those two matches. Yeah, definitely going to stay in the league. So I think in terms of what we expected them to do, in terms of them being the team with the smallest budget, smallest transfer budget, small, smallest wage budget, all of that, we expected them to go down. And um, now they're actually in with a decent chance of survival and uh, they've deserved it. Thoroughly so. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. I think that they were, they were pretty much written off as a cut below, and we were wrong about that. Quick, quick look in at Hertha. Their games have actually been scheduled. It's basically looking like uh, a couple of, of, you know, uh, English of Wochen for, uh, Hertha. Starting off away to Mainz, home to Freiburg, home to, uh, Bielefeld, squeezing in an extra match, uh, away to Schalke before, you know, joining the rest of the teams, uh, with their, their final two games of the season uh, on, on, you know, match day 33. I have no idea. No idea at all how this team is going to handle the situation, how they're sort of physically uh, doing. Obviously, everybody around the club is making all the right noises, saying that, you know, everybody's, you know, very diligent in their, you know, virtual training sessions that, you know, Nicholas Stark has, has, has rearranged the furniture in his house so he can, you know, have, have long, longer distances to run his shuttle runs, et cetera. And, you know, the team is, is spending like a lot of extra time doing uh, video analysis because everybody's, you know, what else are you going to do? Let's <laughs> watch videos of your opponents and find out uh, what they suck at. But, you know, you know, you know that hallway Nicholas Stark sounds, we're paying our players so much money they can afford a 50-yard hallway. <laughs> he's doing his entire sprinting program in his hallway whilst he's moving his furniture and moving the kids out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, end of the day, they only have three days on the training pitch before that first match, don't they? And however you try to spin that, that's going to be a disadvantage. Let's be honest. Even even if everybody's diligent, even if everybody follows that training program and doesn't order too much Lieferando, um, you know, it's it's going to be tough to 
go out onto the pitch and work as a unit because working as a unit has to be drilled week in and week out and once you haven't done that for almost three weeks you are at a disadvantage yeah but i mean for for me it's if for me it could either go two ways either herter finds surprisingly their groove fairly quickly and that in itself could have a knock-on effect and you know playing matches thick and fast could be sort of like it doesn't allow the players to think too much about the battle against relegation. They're just doing stuff and they're just, you know, going about their business and performing well. Or either they break down like Dynamo Dresden did at the end of last season. So I think those are two likely scenarios we could see coming out of this. I don't know what your thinking is about this. Oh, I'm I'm thinking positive, baby. Only positive. For no, Nicholas please. Stark's furniture? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he can afford uh, new stuff if he decides to use his, uh, you know, uh, uh, easy chair as a, <laughs> you know, sort of tackling dummy. If he, you know, for the Alpex lung, they, they want to do some football drills. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm happy that looking at this table, we have three games in hand over our you know, most direct competition. I think basically now Mites, a team who we were also meant to play during the past, you know, couple of weeks, um, only two games in hand on them, but I feel like they're out of reach right now. But basically everybody from Alex worked down through Cologne. We're only three points behind Cologne, four points behind Bielefeld and Bremen. I think that this could have gone worse. Basically, I mean, you have Schalke left. Yeah, and we have Schalke. <laughs> That's come on, come on. If we if we can't beat Schalke, even even Alf Schalke, uh, we don't deserve to stay in the league. So yeah, but the, you know, look at this. We'll probably lose Alf Schalke, and then win a bunch of other ones and still stay in the league. Now that I said that, so don't listen to me. All right, let's let's go to part two and uh, talk about the good teams. We are back with part two of Talking Foosball. The part where we talk about the rest of the match day just gone. This was match day 31. And, you know, oddly enough, in the rest portion of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the the top teams, the teams who are sort of fighting for Champions League places. There was a lot of intrigue on that score over the weekend. One decisive thing that happened is, is, is you know, Bayfile Bay, Borussia Dortmund, this team who we have slagged off and we haven't been alone. Basically, this has been a total nightmare season for this team. They have suddenly, after reminding themselves that they can play with the big boys, that they can hang with Manchester City over two legs, even if they can't beat them, they've reminded themselves that, oh, hey, we're actually good. And we can just go out and win and win and win. They were the top team coming out of the, the English of Woche. They picked up nine points out of nine. They beat Wolfsburg on the weekend. They are now just, what, one point behind Frankfurt, two points behind Wolfsburg. They could, they could, you know, easily vault into third place, uh, if they can pick, pick up another couple of wins. Still, how did you feel about them in this game? I mean, I watched this game. That was the game I chose to watch during the the conference uh, part of of the uh, you know schedule. I think that Dortmund, especially the fact that they lost Jude Bellingham to to a red card or a, you know a two yellow uh, red card, I think that they were pretty fortunate to get a two nil win in this game. 
I think it's now nine games without having scored a goal against Dortmund for Wolfsburg, which is, uh, I think, the longest drought that has ever been recorded by any team against a single opponent in the Bundesliga. Just like one of those funny stats that you dig up when one once you you know do your research about a match day um i mean listen i mean Wout Weghorst and a couple of other Wolfsburg players had enough chances to to get on the scoring board marvin hits a couple of good saves a couple of other times they didn't hit the target which uh you know is, is fortunate because marvin hits as we've discussed on earlier shows they he's probably not maybe not maybe not a world-class keeper but what we do know now is, uh, and we have to mention that, even though it's completely off point, is is the fact that Marvin Hitz is a world-class individual because he's actually given bone marrow in order to help an anonymous patient suffering from a type of blood cancer. So Marvin Hitz underwent that operation, uh, gave bone marrow, and uh, potentially saved another human being's life because uh, he decided to give bone marrow and uh, be in that database that looks for matches for people who need bone marrow treatment. And, um, you know, all we can say about that is, um, why can't more people be like Marvin Hitz? So that, but that's, that's just a slight digression. I think it's a nice story, though. But uh, coming back to the match, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dortmund were very fortunate. Uh, they're fortunate as well that Erling Haaland seems to be back on form. And, you know, that last goal actually reminded of reminded me of a song that we ended our show with many, many years ago. Uh, you remember that Heller is Schneller tune mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About, about the Darmstadt winger uh, Marcel Heller? And you could say the same thing about Holland. Holland is quicker um, because, you know, he's he once again is... Uh, he recorded a top speed of 35.99 kilometers per hour. Uh, and he's but- let's just call it 36 come on let's just call it 36 we don't need to get a hundredth of a he's, he's the only he's the KPH, i think he's the only on. player in the wins that actually went above 36 this season so he's he's insanely quick and insanely effective in front of goal and uh, now again he's equal on you know uh <laughs> On being the quickest to 38 goals in the Bundesliga. He only needed as many matches as the ever legendary Uwe Zeller. Yep, yep. That, that second goal in particular was such a testament to the, the kind of weapon that he is. I mean, you know, he, he, he does have a reputation of, you know, being not only being speedy, but also not needing a lot of touches and not getting a lot of touches in certain games. But just the sort of, I mean... <laughs> Wolfsburg had a lot of possession, especially in the second half. Once, you know, once uh, Bellingham had, had been sent off and they were really sort of, you know, trying to turn the screws on Dortmund. And just one, one, one misplaced entry pass from sort of midfield, trying to put it in, you know, between the lines, which, you know, Modahud got hold of that ball, one pass. And it's just basically like, oh, you take it now, Holland. <laughs> and it was an easy goal. Like a, when you have a player who can do that, who can sort of just run 60 yards at an insane clip and, and you know, beat a keeper with ease. Like he's so scary. <laughs> I think I think sort of like most people are afraid when they stand on, you know, when when they see a tram coming towards them. I think the tram would be afraid if it saw Erling Haaland coming towards it because, I mean, in addition to being that quick, he's that strong as well. And, you know, what what we really do have to appreciate here is that um, 
Out of the strikers currently playing in the Bundesliga, I don't think that a lot of them have the sort of pace that would have allowed them to score this goal. A lot of guys would have been caught out, caught, caught, uh, caught by by a defender or two. He didn't. He he had plenty of space once he got into the penalty box, and he had the cool, calm, and collected mind to finish off the that move ever so beautifully as well. Yeah, when teams can be punished that harshly for ultimately what in many other situations would have been a pretty simple whatever mistake. Um, it's it makes a team dangerous. I. Uh, I reckon we should probably talk a little bit about some of the other teams who are, who are trying to get into the Champions League. I mean, or, or, or hold on to that status. Let's talk about uh, Leverkusen and Eintracht. Eintracht, they've been having uh, a, a bit of a, a bit of a slump themselves. Not only, uh, not only did, did Wolfsburg uh, go down to Dortmund recently, but, um, you know, Eintracht also lost to a member of the old guard of Champions League teams in, in Bayer Leverkusen. What, what have you made of, you know, Leverkusen sort of. I, I'm not going to say that they're like. Uh, I'm not going to say the surging Leverkusen or whatever, but <laughs> the Renaissance of Leverkusen. They look steadier, and they got maybe a couple of fortunate results since uh, you know Hans Wolf has has taken over. But this one wasn't one of those. This was. Uh, this seemed to me to be a to be a legit win against a legit team. Yeah, I think uh, what we can say is that over the last few weeks under Peter Bosch's uh, rule at the club, the wing play didn't really work out for them. Now it does. Leon Bailly, for instance, seems to be an entirely... He seems to be like a changed man ever since Hannes Wolf arrived at the club. He's, you know, you know, uh, scored a few goals as well, uh, been a vital player for them once again. And that's basically been the major difference between what's been going on then and what's been going on now. Um, you know, in terms of the football that's been played, it's uh, it's probably a couple of fortunate results here and there. Um, but this one, yeah, definitely the better team that won here. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if uh, Eintracht can hold on to that uh, that Champions League place. I mean, you know, this their story this season has been extremely stirring uh, as far as I can 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 assess it but the fact that they're two big two big influences over what has been going on for them on the sporting side and and, and Bobic and Huta are are moving on the clear out to come um, might be a little ugly so maybe maybe Champions League football is <laughs> would have turned into a, a a little bit too much for them anyway Let's talk quickly. And no, I, I don't want to write them off, but you know, I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to think that if Dortmund uh, keep on winning, just nobody's gonna nobody's gonna stand between them and the Champions League. I think I think the the, the key match for them is going to be next match day when when they up against Mainz, uh, win that, and they've got Schalke and Freiburg left. Schalke and Freiburg are not going to have anything to play for during those two matches, and they will have to play for Champions League finish. Lose that match against Mainz, and Dortmund might get past you. Yep. Yep. Indeed. I guess you know, thinking of 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 matchups and and what meaning we can attach to various matchups, we could probably turn to uh, the the last two games of this match day, both of which featured teams who are not exactly playing for a lot at this point. I mean, RB Leipzig, you know, just a few weeks ago were still trying to play for the title, but they kind of blew that. Um, they now have cut Bayern's deficit back to seven points, which you know whatever 
in that there's three more games. But they were two nil winners over uh, VfB Stuttgart. Stuttgart, who are pretty much going to be thought of as as overachievers, but not really one that was was rewarded with much of anything. They shot themselves in the foot in this game. I mean, Ahmada, gruesome know, tackle. Yeah. You know, raked raked the opposing player with with his studs. You know, no no argument for me about that. But when you get sent off in the 14th minute, you have really hurt your team, and especially when you're playing against Leipzig in Leipzig, that's where the game got lost. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if we could highlight anything here, is, is the fact that Gio Kobel, the Stuttgart goalie, had an absolute blind over match, and um, he kept them in in that game for for much longer than. Uh, than many other goalkeepers would have. Um, uh, I mean, he could not do anything about the goals, one of which was a penalty by Emil Fussberg. Yeah, so Leipzig, once again, wasteful with their chances. They had an XG that suggested that they should have scored around four goals. They scored two, which include one penalty. And that's really been the problem for them over the last few weeks. And yeah, now now we have two teams in our hands, but both of which are going to see their seasons now peter out during the last three matches because... Honestly, they're, they're not going to move significantly in the table either way. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, I think, I think Stuttgart will probably be happy, all in all, to have have re-entered the Erste Bundesliga as as strongly as they did, even if they didn't, you know, have anything to show for it. I feel like, especially when a big club has gone through a huge, you know, period of of renovation with you know lots of new people in 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 charge, both on the pitch and off of it for them to be as safe as they are for them to basically be at the point where they don't need any more results. Uh, I, I think, I think is, is probably fine in retrospect. Let's talk about, uh, the two teams who are, or who are sandwiching, uh, Stuttgart on the table right now. They played against each other on the weekend. Those are Freiburg and Hoffenheim. And what do you know? They drew, they drew. It was a one, one draw. I don't really have anything to say about this game in that it was a 1-1 draw between two teams who have very, very little to play for. Um, do you? No, no, other than that first goal was very nice. Uh, Bebu uh, pressured, uh, got over a bowling cross. That movement by Kramerich was great. I mean, there were basically three defenders and one goalkeeper against two Hoffenheim attackers, yet their movement and their precision meant that they scored a beautiful goal. So in terms of how you want to move as two attackers who are playing against three defenders. That is pretty much a video that you should watch. But other than that, no, not really. It's, it's It was a match that was played with the handbrake on, basically, because I don't think that anybody thought that they had anything to play for. And uh, either set of players probably probably looking forward to the next season already. Yeah, yeah. These, uh, these are the teams who I think are going to be spending a lot more time on that uh, next season stuff than maybe on the uh, the remaining games uh, of the season. And uh, this is good, so, because both uh, both Freiburg and, and Hoffenheim have to play Hertha still, so, you know. All right, that is a wrap, a wrap, a wrap, wrap, wrap on this week's edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Lovely to be back in front of a microphone with you, Nick. It's always great to be uh, alongside with you, Matt. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of saddened that uh, this season is coming to an end. And uh, all we have to look forward to is a summer with, uh, you know, the Euros. Yeah, yeah. You mean the uh, the great COVID incubator of 2021? Yeesh, yeesh, yeesh. Whilst humanity thought they had a vaccine, then the Euros came along. <laughs> and the Europeans super spread a mutation 
destroyed all. <laughs> nice. Well, yes, yes, that tournament. <laughs> Is it going to be the Baku uh, mutation, uh, the London mutation, the Sevilla mutation, the Munich mutation? Uh, I'm probably going to be the Wiz Air mutation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> conceived somewhere in the air between Budapest and London. Lovely stuff. All right, you can reach Herr Wildhagen on Twitter at Normusings. The same goes for me. Uh, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman. If you like what you hear, I hope you like what you hear. Consider giving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. It is a big help. This is next to Molyneux.